Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, Romans chapter 1 this morning is where we're going to be. As I've mentioned already, this is Missions Month, and uh, by the end of October, you'll have a complete understanding of what Missions Month is. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about that, and so because of it, we're going to take a break from our series in Luke. We'll jump back into that in November, November 5th. We'll get back into the book of Luke for a few weeks and then take a break for Christmas and the new year. Uh, But for Missions Month, we're going to kind of bounce around through Scripture uh, just to get a better understanding of what it is, what mission is and how it should impact our life. And today, so today we're going to spend uh, some time in, uh, in a familiar passage, probably to some of you. For many of you, this might be new, but Romans, uh, Romans chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. So let's stand and let's take our Bibles. We're going to read uh, some verses, Romans 1, verse 9, down through verse number 16. If you're able to stand, you can. And that's just to uh, kind of give you an opportunity to stretch a little bit before, uh, before I preach for about an hour, all right? <clears throat> I'm kidding. I'll try not to go that long today. Uh, no guarantee, though. It's a great passage, all right? So uh, Romans chapter 1 and uh, verse number 9 says this. This is Paul writing to the believers at Rome, and we'll learn more about it. He says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. And without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means, now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Paul, who at this time, he had not been to Rome. He was desirous to go to Rome. That's these first two verses. I I am praying for you, but I'm also praying that I could travel to you and have a prosperous journey to come and see you. Why? For because I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end or for the goal that ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but I was let hitherto. That phrase, let hitherto, it's an old English phrase, just simply means I was hindered. I wasn't allowed to. I want to come that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Verse 14, I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For because I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans chapter one this morning, probably a familiar portion of scripture. If you've been in church for any length of time, or even if you haven't, you've probably heard, I am not ashamed of the gospel, or I am ready to preach, or something like that. It's a familiar portion of scripture. And today it is through Romans chapter number one that I want us to get the title of the message this morning, which is a renewed view, a renewed view or a renewed understanding 
of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, a renewed view of it. And I think it'll be a help to you. It's been a huge help to me this week as I've been studying for this, and I believe it'll be an encouragement. And here's my prayer today. I don't say this often, but here's my prayer this morning. I want you to be encouraged today, but I'm really praying that every single person here would really be convicted today. I want us to be challenged today, and I think if we allow the Lord to do that, I think he'll do it. So let's pray and ask God to help us with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I know it's Sunday. You got a week ahead of you, just coming off of a week. There's a lot that could capture your attention this morning. But I'd ask you with your heads bowed and eyes closed in the quietness of your own heart, would you ask God to just arrest your attention today? God, would you take these next few minutes to capture my mind? And God, would you help me to receive and hear from you what you want me to have today. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for its truths. I pray that you'd help us this morning as we come to Romans 1. Would you challenge us? Would you speak to us? Would you use your word today to convict us? We love you and we thank you for what you're gonna do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. You ever have uh, one of those, well, I know you do, but can you think of those projects that you have in life that you just have to keep doing? Like cleaning out your garage. I get so tired of cleaning out my garage. Anybody else relate to that? Like, how does the garage get so crazy? Especially if like you're the only person that uses it. What, how, you know, you blame other people. Like no one puts the tools back. And then you realize I'm the only person that uses the tools. I, I don't know about you, but I have probably two or three times a year that I'm like, all right, guys, I tell my sons. I'm like, all right, boys, come on. We're cleaning out the garage. And they're like, again? I feel like we just did that. I'm like, shut your mouth. We're cleaning the garage. Let's go. Dad, I don't do anything. I don't care if you don't do anything. You know, I'm teasing. You know, you know what we do? You have projects in life that just is like reoccurring. If you own a home, this is like consistent. Remember when you were so excited to buy, those of you that have bought your home, remember when you were so excited about your first home? We bought our first home. And then like three months in, you're like, why did we buy our first home? Everything breaks. I'm always redoing stuff. Those of you that maybe have a little deck or you've built a deck in your house, have you ever noticed like decks, you have to like redo the wood and you have to repaint it or you have to level it. It's just, it's annoying. There's certain projects in life that it's just like, man, I have to keep, why do we have to do that? Because every project in life needs a touch up every now and then. It's like, a, it's like rooms. You ever notice what a fresh coat of paint will do to a room? It's amazing. You can get in, I mean, a room would just look hideous and you're like, what am I gonna do in here? And I'm just gonna paint it. You paint it and you're like, wow, this room is not as bad as I thought. My wife, Hannah, of course, many of you know, she uh, has her art business and she paints all the time. 
And so we set her up for these art shows. And so she'll be at an art show for a weekend. And, and for three or four days, we have to go in and, and set everything up. It takes sometimes uh, two to four hours to set her art up. And, and we have her trailer that we haul all of the art in and this huge, this, huge, uh, um, uh, this huge tent that we set up. And all, I mean, just a bunch of work. Every time we do that, we take the art out of the trailer. Just about every time she looks at a painting and she goes, oh, I need to touch this one up. This one got bumped. This one got scratched. Oh, this happened. Even, even if you buy a painting and you put it up, if you leave a painting up on one wall for a long time, you ever notice how the color begins to fade a little bit? Well, why? That's just the wear and tear. And every now and then, of course, in our house, I know the artist, so paintings get dingy. She just goes back through and touches them up. Why do we put a fresh coat of paint on a room? Why do we redo a deck? Why do we clean out the garage? Why do we put a fresh coat of, of paint on a can? Why, why would someone do? You might have something that you're really good at. Why do you keep doing the same thing, the same project over and over again? The reason is because sometimes, sometimes things just need a fresh view. Things just need a fresh look. You know, in the Christian life, if you know God, if you've trusted Jesus as your personal savior, you put your faith and your trust in him, did you know that your Christian life every now and then, it just needs a touch up? You need a fresh coat of paint. What do you mean, pastor? In the Christian life, once you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you will never lose that. Okay, do we all know that this morning? Once I trust Christ as Savior and I make that decision, the Bible says that is sealed. I will never lose Jesus. He'll never, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. But as we travel through life, listen, as we go in and out, our work, our families, our trials, our situations, you know what begins to happen? The canvas of my heart and my understanding of who Jesus is and my realization of what the gospel really is, it begins to fade a little bit. Oh, it doesn't go away. I know I have Christ in my life, but I get so externally focused that I lose good, a good view of what I have with Jesus. If you go to scripture, there is probably, outside of Jesus, there's probably no better example of somebody who had a fresh view of Jesus all the time. There's probably not a better example than the apostle Paul. And so Paul, in this letter, he, he's writing to the believers at Rome. Of course, if you know about Rome, it was kind of the epicenter of life at the time. Hundreds of thousands of people live in Rome. Uh, the, uh, the sayings of, of Rome were, were uh, you know, as they do in Rome, so I will do, things like that. People wanted to travel to Rome. People wanted to be in Rome. All roads lead to Rome were the, the thoughts there. I mean, it was home to the 60,000-seat Colosseum where we know gladiators and things like that would take place. But, but also, Rome was home to dozens of houses churches. And you can go to Romans chapter 16 and you can find dozens of house churches that Paul is writing to. 
And as Paul opens up this letter, knowing what we know about the apostle Paul, if you know Paul, he trusted Christ as savior. And then he would go and start dozens of churches and God would use Paul in an incredible way to impact people for Christ. God would use Paul's life way beyond Paul ever dreamed or imagined. And if you know that about Paul, how impactful he was, I don't know about you, but I want that with my life. I want my life to mean something. I want my life to impact people. And if we're gonna do that, then what we need is we need a fresh coat of paint on how we view the gospel. We need a fresh understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done. And it's in Romans chapter number one that we're gonna be helped today by Paul to receive that. As Paul writes, he writes to the believers and he tells them why he wants to come there. In verse 10 and 11, uh, if you go and you read it, here's why Paul, I long to see you. Why? So that I can impart unto you some spiritual gift. What is Paul saying? I just wanna help you with some spiritual truths. I wanna give you uh, some understanding. I wanna help you grow in your walk with the Lord for the goal to the end that you can be established. Well, what does that mean? Man, so that you can be grounded and firm in your faith. But then also I'm writing to you and I wanna come to you. Here's what Paul says, verse 11, that I can be comforted alongside of you, together with you by our mutual faith, both of you and of me. What's Paul saying? Hey, listen, I wanna come because I wanna teach you some things. I wanna help you grow in the Lord, but I wanna come because I just love being around people who believe like I do. That's what Paul's saying. I wanna be comforted. I wanna, you have faith, I have faith, our mutual faith. I want both of us, I want all of us to be encouraged by this. You know what I love that Paul understood that we need to understand is this, that being around other believers is one of the most encouraging things for a Christian. I'm gonna say it again. Being around other believers is one of the most encouraging things for other Christians. It's, it's encouraging for us. That's why we emphasize and push so much. Hey, be at church. Hey, don't just serve in ministry. Serve and sit. Hey, be in a growth group. Our growth groups that meet, we have four or five growth groups that meet in the week. I don't, I'll just be honest today. It's, I'm being completely honest, which I should do all the time. But anyway, I don't know why I clarify that statement. Uh, here's what I'm going to tell you. There are some Wednesdays, that's a growth group I go to on Wednesday nights. There's some Wednesdays I don't want to go to growth group. I'll take it a step further. There's some Sunday mornings that I wake up and I'm like, I don't even want to go to church today. <laughs> now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you felt that way. Man, I just don't want to go. I get to the midweek, I was talking with, uh, with Dustin back there. Dustin, if you ever notice Dustin, he's always hiding in the sound booth. Dustin and I joke because Dustin says, Pastor, I'm just, I, don't, I don't like being around people. Like I do not want to just, I just don't want to do it. So put me in the sound booth, leave me there. Uh, listen, Dustin loves when you give him a hug. I'm just telling everybody that. You can... <laughs> I'm teasing. We were talking uh, two weeks ago at Growth Group and I leaned over to Dustin and I said, I was like, man, do you ever have a Wednesday where you're just like, I don't want to go. I want to go to growth group. He's like, yeah, because I have to see you. Again, I'm, I'm teasing. You know what I said? I said, man, I really felt that way today, but I was here for like five minutes and I'm so thankful I came. Why? Because for a Christian to be around other believers, it is so needed. 
So Paul writes and he says, hey, I want to come to you because I want to, I want to teach you some things, but because I just, I'm encouraged by you. But then Paul says another reason why he wants to go. I want you to notice it in verse number 13. Because here's what Paul says. Now, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but I was hindered. I wasn't allowed to. Here's why I want to come. That I might have some fruit among you also, even among other Gentiles. That phrase that I might have some fruit among you. Here's what Paul is saying. I'll just lay it out very quickly. I want to tell people about Jesus. I want other people to get saved. Hey, you guys are reaching people with Jesus. I want to have some fruit among you, just like you are. I want to reach people with the gospel. Man, Paul's mindset was consistently, I just want to share Jesus with others. Why did Paul have that? Because he had a fresh coat of paint almost every day, a fresh coat of paint almost every week on on his view of the gospel. He had a renewed view of the gospel. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to take these verses that we just read, and I want to help us get a renewed view of the gospel. Here's how it's going to happen. Number one, if I'm going to have a renewed view of the gospel, we have to recognize with Paul, Paul clearly understood what he had. Okay, Paul, if you're writing it down, first thought today, Paul clearly understood what he had. Well, what do you mean? Look at verse number 16, because Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, For because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know what Paul was saying? Paul was saying, I am consumed. I am not ashamed. Hey, listen, I have nothing to hide in Jesus because I recognize what Jesus is. I recognize when you, when you hear the phrase, the gospel, it's talking about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, kind of an all-encompassing term for what a person has with Christ. Hey, don't miss it today. Here's what Paul is saying. I'm not ashamed of Jesus because I know, I know that he is the power of salvation, the power, dynamite, dunamis. Here's what Paul is getting at. I'm not ashamed because I know and I am convinced who Jesus is. So I'm not ashamed about it. Why? Because he is the only one for salvation and his power continues after that. I just want us to understand this morning that Paul had a clear understanding of what he had. He clearly understood what he had in Jesus Christ. He was preaching Jesus because he knew he was preaching the power of the one who saves. He was preaching Jesus because he knew that humanity has a need for Jesus and Jesus alone. He really understood what salvation meant. I want you to know this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you and I, too, we often need to come back to a clear understanding of what we have in Christ. And so I'd ask you the question today, how is your understanding of what you have in Jesus? How is your understanding of what you have in the Lord? I want you to do this real quick. I want you to, you know, you don't necessarily have to close your eyes. But if you know Christ as your Savior, if you've trusted him, I want to ask you to do something. I want you to go back in your mind. Go back in your mind to the time that you received Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
All right, for those of you that you've trusted Christ, you've put your faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. If you've done that, if you've made that decision, I want you to go back to that moment. I'm not asking you to remember a feeling. Here's what I'm asking you to remember. When you put your faith in Christ, and I'm going back to when I nailed down my salvation, June of 2003, July, early July of 2003, I'm going back to that. Here's what I'm remembering. Right after I nailed down my salvation and made that decision to announce with my mouth to the God, to God that I believed on him in my heart, I remember the peace that came over me. Do you remember that? Do you remember the peace of just knowing when you received Christ that you're not going to hell anymore? Here's what I'm afraid happens. Listen, there's a lot of Christians that know what they have in Jesus, but they don't keep coming back to remember. You see, remember like before salvation, before you trust Christ as Savior, hey, before you get saved, you are at enmity with God. Like you're an enemy of God and there's hopelessness in your life and there is doubt and there is fear and there's frustration and there is just this emptiness that you know that you were, you were made for God. There's, there's an emptiness there that should be filled by something. And maybe some of you trusted Christ when you were just a little kid and you're like, well, pastor, I didn't have a lot of that before I met Jesus. Then think about what you've gained with Jesus. You see, Paul, when he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. He was saying, hey, his power works for salvation, but then his power keeps working after salvation. You see, think with me about you receiving Christ and what you got with him and the savior that you have now. I mean, do you understand that when you did not have Jesus, you were on your way to hell. You were separated from the one who brings peace in the midst of the storm, but, but now you have Christ. And so if you've trusted Jesus as Savior, like, hey, you are forgiven, past, present, and future. You have peace in trials. You can have joy that is not dependent upon our culture, upon politics. You can have a friend when everybody else abandons you. You have a, a home in heaven. You have security through life. You have a person that you can trust in any situation. You have a person that you can turn to for wisdom in anything. You have someone that says, hey, come to me and I will give you rest, rest unto your soul. How's your understanding of what you have in Jesus? Because if we are going to, if we're gonna have a, a, a renewed view of the gospel, we must first have a clear understanding of what we have in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus, can I tell you that you are the reason Jesus came? He came to die for your sin. He came to die for, for you to have a relationship with God. Jesus lived a perfect life and through his death, burial, and resurrection, you can be restored to God and on your way to heaven. Listen, if you don't know that, today needs to be the day that you nail that down. If you do know that, I want you just every now and then to stop and just remember Remember what you have because you have Christ. You know what we as Christians do? We just go through life. Hey, let's be honest. When's the last time you just stopped and thanked God for your salvation? Oh, not, hey, God, thank you for saving me. 
Like, no, like you stopped and you thought like, God, I didn't deserve it. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve a relationship with you. And God, I know I question uh, trials sometimes. And God, I know that I get hurt. And God, I know there's still fear and frustration and, and doubt in my life. But God, I'm so thankful that you moved in and that you gave me peace. And God, I'm thankful that I can trust you. Like, when's the last time you just stopped and remembered what he did for you? Man, Paul clearly understood what he had in Jesus. But then I want you to notice, secondly, that Paul, he recognized the condition of people around him. If you read the book of Romans, it's a great book. There's, There's so much depth and doctrine in the book of Romans. But what Paul does throughout the first three chapters. Now remember, as Paul's writing, they're not in, you know, Paul's not like verse one, you know, Paul doesn't do the chapter divisions and all of that. That wasn't put in until really just about 400, 500 years ago uh, is when all of that was done. And so it was just kind of a, a letter. For the next few pages of the letter, do you know what Paul writes about? He writes about the emptiness that, that mankind has, the condition of separation from God. He starts in uh, verse 13 and 14 when he says this, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks, the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Now we'll, we'll uh, break that verse down in just a minute, verse number 14. But I want you to notice some words that Paul uses. I want to have fruit among you that I want to tell other people about Jesus just like you are. But then he uses the word Gentiles, all right? That refers to anybody that wasn't a Jew. I want to help the Gentiles trust God. Then Paul says, I also want to help the Greeks and the barbarians, two opposing position groups. Here's what that would be. The Greek would be in writing at this time would be the, uh, the folks that were the high class, High class of Rome. I want to reach the high class. The barbarians, anybody who wasn't Roman was considered a barbarian. That's one term. But then also the barbarians were people that were the lowest classes of people that lived lawlessly. So here's what Paul says. I want to come and I want to reach the high class and the low class. Everybody in between. I want to reach the wise, the smartest religious people among you. And I want to reach the unwise, those considered the worst among you. Now, why is Paul writing about such a drastic difference? Because of where Paul goes next. Paul goes next to begin writing, listen, everybody has a need for Jesus. Oh, Oh, wait, wait. I know you know that. I know you know that. But do we really ever stop and think about it? The condition of people, Paul recognized the condition of people. He goes on to write, verse 20 and 21, he writes this, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even unto his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. What is Paul saying in all of that? He is speaking about the emptiness of mankind. 
Hey, everybody has a God-sized hole in their heart that only God can fill. And everybody in their mind, they know that God exists and they know that they need something. And so Paul writes about the emptiness of every person in Romans 1. And then he speaks about how that emptiness affects the condition of all types of people. He writes about the religious hypocrite in uh, the second chapter, last half of the first chapter and the second chapter. And kind of verse number one is a good verse to culminate this of chapter two when he says, therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. What's he saying? Well, those that judge were... In this phrase, the phrasing that he uses is the the people who are the religious snobs. Those of you who are religious that think you're better than everybody, you're inexcusable. You don't have an excuse before God. Hey, you know what he's saying? You're lost. If you go and read the verses around it, he's saying you need God. Even though you're religion, even though you're religious, you still need God. Paul writes to the Jew. He asks in chapter number three, what advantage then hath the Jew? And if you were to go and read from chapter two, verse 19, down through chapter three and verse number uh, five or six, maybe nine, uh, Paul basically says, even the Jews, hey, those of you that the Jew claims, well, we know God, we know Jehovah God. Paul writes, you don't have an advantage. You're just as lost as everybody else. Paul writes about Kind of mankind in verse 9 and 10 of the rest of humanity. He says, what then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. And then Paul will summarize it in verse number 23 when he says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It doesn't take a person a long time to realize that this world is in desperate need of Jesus. I'm sure you've noticed. I mean, just look at people around you. You and I will come to the same conclusion that Paul did. It doesn't take a person long to see that our culture is without God. This is not just a mean statement. This is a true statement. Just look at the disrespect that culture has for life. Look at the hate that people have for others who are not like them. Look at the condemnation that people give to the sanctity of life and and biblical marriage. Look at the selfishness of people and mankind in every life and avenue. Every time you turn the TV on, every time you watch a movie, every time you open your phone or go to your social media account, every time you have a conversation. Boy, listen, it's not hard to be reminded that this world is in need of God. It's not hard to be reminded that the answer for the lostness of our culture is not a new politician. The answer is not a new law. The answer for your family and your Lost relatives, it's not just for you to move away. It's not for you just to break contact. No, you know what this culture needs? Jesus. Now, here's what we do. We often are like a horse running a race. We put blinders on. 
And we get in our lane, we get in our life, we put blinders on, and oh yeah, we know people are lost, but we just, you know, my family, my, and I have, I just get so singularly focused that we, we miss that there are lost people around us. That's one of the ways we do it. The other way that we miss the lostness of people is we get surprised at it. <gasps> I just can't believe it. I can't believe what that movie star said. I can't believe the claim that that politician made. I can't believe the vote that just happened on this. I can't believe, and we get, we get surprised. <gasps> Isn't this a Christian nation? No. You say, well, pastor, I, listen, I'm American. I love our country. I'm proud to be from the United States of America. But America is lost. And we can do one of two things. I can, or one of three things. I can put a blinders on and just go throughout my daily business. I can become surprised. <gasps> you mean that people without Jesus act like people without Jesus? I don't believe it. And we, we get surprised at the lostness of society. And then surprised Christians often become isolated Christians. Well, pfft, I would never. I would never go there. I would never talk to them. I would never do that. I would never. So we, we, can, we can become blinded, blinders, and get in our lane and just do life focused on me. We can become the, the condemner that says, I can't believe they would. I am isolated. <gasps> or we can do what Paul did and just recognize the condition of those around us. They are without Jesus. And he is the only answer. I noticed though third this morning that Paul didn't just stop there. He took a personal responsibility for others. He took a personal responsibility for others. Why don't you notice, if you will, verse number 14. Paul says this, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, the wise and the unwise. Paul said, I, I know what I have in salvation. It is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first, but also to the Greek, to the Gentile. I recognize that people around me are all lost. And because of that, I owe a debt to the wealthy and the rich and the known and to the wise. And I owe it to the unwise and the unwealthy and the unknown. I owe it to everybody. I have a debt to be paid. Now, the question then comes to us. How does Paul owe a debt how does he owe a debt when he's never met the people in Rome? Maybe you have a dollar or five dollars. You got one in your wallet. Carlos, come here real quick. Man, you got money? <laughs> your wife just kind of perked up a little bit. She was like, you got money? Give me that. I don't care. Give me, ooh, give me a 20. Here, wait. Just give me, just give me all this. I got $33, man. Where are we going to lunch? You guys want to go out today? My kids taking my thanks for paying for lunch today. Stay there. No, stay there. Stay there. <clears throat> uh, let's do something. 
if Carlos has this, this money, got $33 right there. Now you're rich and loaded. <laughs> if I say, hey, Carlos, can I borrow $33? I mean, that's an exact amount, but hey, can I borrow $33? He gives me $33. You know what? I, I am indebted to Carlos, right? I owe him $33. And until I pay back all $33, I paid him back 32. I still have this. Am I still indebted? Why? Because I, I still have it. Okay, question. Is that the kind of debt Paul is talking about? I mean, has he been to Rome? Has he borrowed something from? No, that's not. So there's a second kind of debt. If I borrowed money from Carlos, I'm indebted to him, but watch and stay with me. Here's the second type of debt. If Carlos said to me, hey, pastor, I, I'm gonna give you $33 and I need you to make sure that Robert gets it. Pastor Rob gets it. Would you, would you make sure Pastor Rob gets us $33? So he gives me $33. Question, am I indebted right now? Do I owe a debt? Who do I owe a debt to? Okay, Robert would be the immediate answer and you'd be correct. But I also owe a debt to him. Now, why? Oh, I don't owe him the $33, but here's what Carlos said. Hey, Pastor Dennis, would you, would you give him, I'm, I'm trusting you with $33. Will you make sure that Rob gets it? Oh yeah, I'll do that. Now I gave him my word, but now I owe Pastor Rob $33. Rob, do you want $33? Come here real quick. <laughs> and he almost ran up here. He hadn't, he hadn't ran in years and that was the first time. Uh, <laughs> So now I, he gave me $33, so now I'm indebted and we, my debt is to Rob to say, here's the $33 from Carlos. And until I pay that, here's the phrase, I am debtor. I am a debtor. Now here's what Paul is saying. God, there's a representation this morning. God has given us, those of us who know Jesus, He's given us the gospel. Paul said it, uh, Dustin, go to that next slide. Paul said it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 4. He said this, but we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, uh, but God, which trieth our heart. Hey, Paul says, God has entrusted me with the gospel. So now who do I owe a debt to? I owe a debt to everybody that doesn't know God. And so until I take this debt to the people who don't know, until I take the truth of the gospel, what I have in Jesus, I've been entrusted with that. Until I do that, I am debtor. I am in debt both to the Jew, both to the Greek and the barbarian, both to the wise and to the unwise. I owe it to people. Here's what Paul was doing. Thanks, you can be seated. You can too, I guess. Uh, here's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, listen, I am going to do something about this. I, it is my personal responsibility to help the message of Jesus get to the people who do not know. Now, here's where the convicting part comes in. Too many believers and followers of Jesus have lost that. Oh, we know we're saved, man. Thank you, God, for saving me. We recognize the world is lost, man. People are dying and going to hell all around us. But we forget that I am personally responsible to help people know Jesus. Jesus. 
You know what modern day Christianity has done? I'm about to make a, this kind of a, uh, just stay with me. We have a church, okay? At our church, we are blessed at our church to have a great staff. We, we really are. And if you don't recognize it, I'll tell you. I, I have preached in hundreds of churches. I literally have pastors ask me all the time, Dennis, how did you get such a great staff? And I tell them, I have no clue. And I genuinely mean that. We have a phenomenal staff. They just, they, they're, they, they're not paid well, but they serve like they are. It's just amazing. Here's what, listen, stay with me. I believe that staff is good for a church. I believe that the staff, I believe that there's some Bible principles that point to staffing of a church to help the ministry move forward. Listen, but here's what modern day Christianity has done. Stay with me. We have relegated our Christianity to church staff. Here's what I mean. Pastor gets up and says, listen, people are lost. They need Jesus. So we're going to have an outreach. We're going to go out and just tell people about Christ. Sometimes our first response is, ah, the staff will do that. Ah, they'll be there. Hey, we're going to do, do this big outreach as a church, and we're going we're gonna to try to help our community through this event. Well, you know, I'll show up, but I don't really need to do anything. The staff will do it. And we relegate our responsibility, delegate our responsibility to other people. And I'm guilty of this too, that we look at our Christianity. Listen, stay with me this morning. I know it's a little bit, kind of a little bit heavy today, but I hope that it would be something that would impact us because we are personal. Listen, you are personally responsible for people to trust Jesus as Savior. I am personally responsible. That is something that cannot be relegated. I cannot just say, well, Pastor Carlos does the outreach and kids, so he can reach people and he can help the kid and that no responsibility on me. Hey, my friend, if you know Jesus Christ as savior, then you and I, we too can say with Paul, I am a debtor. I owe it to people to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what does Paul do? He takes personal responsibility to get the gospel to other people. But I noticed lastly today that Paul determined to use his life with intention He determined to use his life with intention or intentionality. Here's what Paul did. I know what I have in the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, but also to the Gentile. Since I know what I have, man, I look around me and I see the condition of people and the lostness of people, but I don't stop there. I, I take personal responsibility and I say, I owe it to people to tell them about Jesus. And I, I don't just stop it at the knowledge of knowing that I owe it to people. No, 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 no. I will live my life for the cause of Christ. I will give my time. I will give of my talents. I will give of my money. I will give of my conversation. I will do all that I can to reach people with Jesus. You know what churches are filled with today? We're filled with a lot of sideline Christians. Sideline Christians that say, man, pastor, boy, pastor, that message, it got me today. 
It got, man, oh, I love that song, Pastor Brian, great song. Mercedes, you did such a good job, thank you. And then we leave. And we leave our Christianity and our conviction at church. Oh, we're still saved. Oh, we still go through our life, but we don't determine to use our life with intention. So here's what Paul said. As much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That phrase, so as much as in me is, it simply means this, this, with everything that I have. Hey, all that I have, all that I am, I am ready, I am willing and eager to preach the gospel of Jesus. That phrase means to my uttermost, with every part of my being, I am giving my life for the gospel. Paul says, I'll use my life intentionally for the gospel. And he was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to do a lot to reach this world. And I will tell you this morning, what you and I need, and listen, what people need in this world is they need Jesus Christ. And if you know Christ, you have the answer. My question is, are you living with intentionality to reach people? Like, what are, what are people worth to you? Are they worth your time? What are they worth to us? Are they worth our, are they worth conversations that we weren't counting on? I think we do this. I think we intentionally reach people with the gospel three ways. Number one, we do it relationally. What does that mean? I should have a burden to help the people close to me know Jesus. My friends and my loved ones, people that I'm in contact with often, I should have a burden to want to share Christ with them relationally. I'm telling my loved ones about Christ and I'm sharing Jesus with my kids. And, and listen, oh, I, oh, about to, we're, I'm, this is a tangent. This is a pet peeve right here. I get so tired of parents saying, well, listen, I'll just let little Johnny and little Susie, I'll let them decide for themselves when they get to be a grown up. I'm not going to push it on them. Okay, I am totally for not forcing somebody, hey, pray this prayer, do this now. I understand that. But do you like give your kids an option on brushing their teeth? You know, I mean, personal hygiene, I'll just let them decide for themselves, you know, when they get to be older. No, you don't do that. Why? Brush your teeth, kid. You don't want them to rot out. And you know, you want, I mean, you teach hygiene. Why? It's good for them. Hey, teach your kids who Jesus are when they're young. Why? It's good for them. Yes, they're going to make a decision when they get older. But help them. Help them see their need for Christ. Man, relationally is how I should invest Jesus into people. Secondly, I believe it should be daily. What's that mean? Every day, God's going to bring people in contact with us that don't know Jesus. It's a waiter, a waitress, a, a barista, someone uh, making my food at the restaurant. It's just people that are around me that God says, hey, tell them about me. Hey, just give them a gospel track. Hey, mention Jesus to them. And we go, no. This is my, like me. Yesterday, I was studying in a coffee shop, and this lady, uh, it was over on the west side, this lady was there and she was sitting at the same table I was just at the far end and kind of made the, you know, the gracious eye contact when someone comes in and sits down, you know, you're typing and like, hey, hey, did the head nod, how are you? And, and I, I said, I think, how are you? She said, oh, I'm good. And she sat down, she did her work. Like two and a half hours went by and I had my noise canceling headphones in. I was typing away and I felt the Lord was like, hey, 
give her a track. Tell her about me. I was like, no, no, she, I'm not from here. We're on the West side. No, Lord, and I'm making excuses. And then I'm like, all right, well, listen, God, if she talks to me, like I'll, I'll say something. I'm sitting there and I feel like someone's staring at me. You ever had that? I'm just in the zone. And I look over and she's just sitting there staring at me. And I take my headphones out. She said, you gonna be here all day? She started talking to me. And I was like, well, Lord, I know that she did that. It's kind of coincidence. And, and I'm like, well, no, and told my story. And then she's like, oh, you look familiar. So I'm like, well, I'm from the east side. I used to live in Lakewood. And I tell her, and I go, man, I'm a pastor. And she's like, oh, you're a pastor, yeah. And then the Lord's like, hey, Dennis. I'm like, yeah, give her a track. Like, ah, I'm not from here, Lord. Like, I'll let some other pastor reach her. And I felt like, I felt like the Lord was like, just do it. Okay. So I pull out the track and I said, actually, I'm pastor in Moses Lake. Here's this. And I said, I know you'll never probably come to our church, but it tells you how you can know you're going to heaven. And you know what? She didn't like go, oh, you're the one I wanted to talk to. She didn't do anything like that. She just looked at it and she went, huh. Well, thank you very much. She folded it up packed up her stuff. And she was like, I have, I'm leaving anyway. It was nice talking with you. And she left. Now I know I will probably never see that woman again, but you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that God daily pushes it on my heart. Hey, tell them about me. We should do it relationally. We should do it daily. And then the third way that we should intentionally invest God into others is missionally. We have to be mission minded. What's that mean? have a desire to know that people around the world, they need Christ. People where Hector is ministering that he said that we're not allowed to say, because he's there. And if they find out he's there, that's not a good thing. You know what needs to happen? I need to help give so people like him can stay and reach others. What are people worth to me? Well, in life, if you've known Christ as your savior, you know what your heart needs every now and then? It needs a fresh glimpse. It needs some touch-up paint. Of what? I need a renewed view of what the gospel is. Let me ask you some questions today and we're done. The first question today is, do you understand what you have in Jesus? Like, do you know it? If you're here and you've never received Christ as Savior, listen, today Jesus wants you to receive him into your life. He died for you. He rose again from the dead. He wants you to be restored to God and have a home in heaven. If you do know Christ as your savior, like, do you really understand it? Secondly, do you recognize the lostness of people? The answer is not a politician. The answer is Jesus. The answer is not new morality. It's Jesus. Do you see that condition? But then will you personally accept responsibility to say, you know what? I will intentionally reach others with the gospel. May we each one today pray this. God, will you renew my view of the gospel and use me to reach others with you? Paul's a great example of that. Romans 1 outlines it for us. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God. And so because of that, with everything that I am, I'm gonna give my life, my time, my money, my words, my effort. God, I'm gonna do everything I can to help people know you.